Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of Dr. Music. I'm Matthew Morolo. Thank you so much for joining me again. When you think of composers using a lot of folk music in their pieces, what century do you think of? If you thought 19th century, you're right. Now, why were composers using a lot of folk music in the 19th century? Well, one of the prominent socio-political currents in the 19th century was nationalism. Nations were coming into existence, and people were proud of their national heritage. And one way to celebrate this in the arts is to use folk elements, and that's definitely true in music. In the 18th century, you have emperors like the Holy Roman Emperor presiding over a confederation of nation-states, but that goes away in the 19th century. So in the 19th century, you're proud to be Italian because you're from Italy. You're proud to be German because you're from Germany. And as you know, it took a while for the country that we call Italy to actually become Italy. A lot of different countries took a bite out of Italy. So when these nations came into existence, there was a new sense of cultural identity and national identity. And so the folk element became very important. That wasn't true with composers like Mozart and Beethoven. That's not to say that Mozart and Beethoven didn't use folk elements in their music. They did. But in the 19th century, it really took off because when you were using folk music in your pieces, you were celebrating your nation. If you were Russian and you were using a folk melody like Tchaikovsky did, you were celebrating being Russian. So again, that whole cultural identity with the rise of these countries, these nations, became extremely important. Now, here's the thing, and this is the subject of this episode. When you are writing a serious piece of music for an orchestra, say, and you want to include folk elements, how do you make it interesting? You know, a folk piece is usually very short and very simple. There's no complexity, theoretically speaking, to a piece of folk music. I mean, think of the popular music that you know. What characterizes a folk melody or a popular melody is its catchiness. You're supposed to listen to it and remember it right away. It's meant to be popular because you have to remember it. Otherwise, these pieces wouldn't sell, would they? And another characteristic about their popular character is that they tend to be short. You're not going to be listening to a folk piece or a, a popular piece for 20 minutes. The composer is not going to take pains to develop the melody over many, many minutes. It's just exposing a catchy theme. So if you're a famous composer and you're writing a piece that has a pre-existing folk melody or you're writing something folkish in quality, you're not just going to present the folk melody. Anybody could do that. You have to do something to it to make it interesting. What can you do? Well, there's many, many things you can do, and I could spend actually many episodes on this. But by way of illustration, I'd like to play one piece that you might not be familiar with this, and you might not even know the composer. This is a French composer of the 19th century. His name is Jules Massenet. Massenet is known primarily for his operas, but even more than that, pieces from his operas. So a lot of times when a composer writes an opera, there's a suite from the opera that's performed, like the main highlights. It could be famous arias from the opera, or it could be just famous instrumental pieces. Sometimes there's a ballet, a dance in the middle of the opera, and the ballet music is just as famous or even more famous than the opera itself. A famous example is the Act Three finale of an opera called La Gioconda by the 19th century Italian composer Panchielli. 
And this particular ballet at the end of this opera is known as Dance of the Hours. And you all know it, especially if you've seen the 1940 Disney film Fantasia. If you remember elephants dancing in tutus, that was Dance of the Hours. Well, Jules Massenet wrote an opera called Les Cid, and there's a ballet suite from this opera that's extremely popular. As a matter of fact, I would say that the ballet suite is performed more than the opera itself. Now, I don't know how many Charlton Heston fans are out there, but do you remember an epic film from 1961 called El Cid, starring Charlton Heston and Sophia Loren? Well, that's the story that this opera is based on. Of course, when they make these historical films, quote-unquote historical films, the producers definitely take poetic license. So you're watching part fiction, part nonfiction in an epic like this. It takes place in medieval Spain. El Cid is actually Rodrigo Diaz, a Castilian knight, who actually fights in the Christian and the Muslim armies. That's primarily because El Cid led an unauthorized expedition into Granada, and he was exiled from Spain, and then he started to work with the Moors, which is just the Spanish name for Muslims. What I'd like to do is listen to a couple of excerpts from the ballet suite from Le Cid by Massenet, keeping in mind that Massenet is using very strong folk elements, Spanish folk elements, in these pieces. So how does he keep it interesting? Again, he's not just going to give you the folk theme, because anybody could do that. He has to do something special with this music, although he has to keep the folk element intact. It has to sound like folk music. Now, before we listen to it, let's just remember the basic harmonies in a tonal system. Massenet is working in a tonal system. So if you've heard any of my prior episodes, you remember that the chord associated with your home key, whatever that home key is, it's called the tonic. So if you're in the key of C major, the tonic is on scale degree one because scale degree one is C. Now, the polar opposite of that is the dominant built on scale degree five because the dominant is associated with tension. The tonic is resolution because it's home. The dominant is tension. And then you have other harmonies that can be predominant. They come before the dominant. For example, you could have scale degree two Scale degree two is called the supertonic, and that usually leads into the dominant. That's why it's called predominant. Then you have scale degree four. That's called the subdominant. That also can come before five, but then it could also go directly to the tonic, to one. If this is confusing, don't worry about it because I'm going to be going over it again when we listen to these particular pieces. The first piece in this dance suite is called Castellane. What is that? That's a dance in the province of Castile. That makes sense. I'm going to play the first part of Castellani, and then I'm going to be kind of like a commentator, give you the play-by-play in terms of the harmonies. Now, the harmonies are not complicated in the beginning. He's basically working with three main chords. The one chord, which is the tonic, the home key. Five, which is the dominant. And also the subdominant, and remember the subdominant, is Roman numeral four. So those are the three main chords that he works with in this excerpt. Okay, let's see what he does. Let's listen to this. Okay, this is one, five, one, five, one. And here comes four. Thank you. 
one. Here's four. One. This is one again. Five. One. Five. One. So from this short excerpt in the beginning, you could hear that Massenet is not doing anything very complicated harmonically. He's working with three of the most basic chords, the one chord, the five chord, and the four chord. And he's doing that because he's working with a folk melody. This is a simple folk melody. And the melodic structures of folk melodies are not implying very complicated harmonies. But how does he make it interesting? He makes it interesting with the orchestration. He starts very quietly. Then, later on, all of a sudden, more of the orchestra comes in, so it's a little bit louder. And then, when he comes back, he actually adds different parts to what he did in the beginning. So even though he repeats the quiet part from the beginning, he adds other instrumental parts, and that adds more interest to it. Okay, let's see what happens next. Whoa, what happened there? That's called a musical fake-out. At the beginning of that excerpt that I just played, it really sounded like he was going somewhere far, and he's going to a different key, he's modulating. We're not really sure exactly what was happening there. He winds up on a chord that's implying the submediant of the key. The submediant is Roman numeral 6. But then he kind of just ignores it, goes back to the beginning. The quiet part from the beginning is repeated, but he spices it up with this chromatic figure. Chromaticism is when you go up by half step. So it's still even a little more different the third time. So even though this is all based on a seemingly simple Spanish folk melody, Massenet is constantly doing things to surprise you. Okay, so we just had the beginning melody come back, but still different. What happens next? I gotta say, this Massenet guy really has a sense of humor. What happened there? Well, he did what he did before, but on a larger scale. He was modulating, changing the key, telling the listener, I'm gonna go to something completely different now. It's gonna be really different this time. And at the end of it, you think you're going to, well, basically, the median. The median is Roman numeral three. Although he was changing the key so many times that you really lost the sense of key there. You're not exactly sure what the key is. 
And then what does he do? He says, ha ha, going back to the original melody again. Changes it up a little bit more. And then remember the beginning when you first hear that quiet melody and then more of the orchestra comes in with a louder section? Maybe we could call that the B section because it starts with A and then goes to the louder B. Well, he does that again here. And remember in the beginning, he went back to A. Well, let's see what he does here. fakes you out again, doesn't he? He makes it seem like he's going to do another one of these modulating sequences, and it doesn't really last, and then he has an inquisitive section. Am I going back to the main melody? He kind of hints at it, but he doesn't settle on it, and then all of a sudden, for the ending, the orchestra explodes with that main melody. It's the first time that we hear the A theme really loud played by the whole orchestra, and that brings the piece to a close. So he's working with this simple Spanish folk melody, but he manages to fake us out at every single turn. It's the sign of a composer with a lot of talent and also a good sense of humor. Well, we just had a dance of Castile. How about a dance of Aragon? This is the Arganese from the same suite. Now, this is a much shorter dance, so there's not a whole lot of room to give as many surprises. But Massenet still works his magic, just in different ways. Let's listen to the beginning. The first obvious thing to notice is that Massenet lowers the volume or the dynamics in the middle. Did you hear how it got softer? And that's a really nice contrast. And then he follows it with a crescendo. The music gradually gets louder until it reaches its original dynamic level. Now, there's also a rhythmic trick going on there. The name of this rhythmic trick is called hemiola, H-E-M-I-O-L-A. So let me just take a moment to explain this. This particular piece is in 6-8 time. 6-8 time is compound duple time. So this is just a type of meter in music. Compound duple is two groups of three like this. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So if you were conducting, your hand would go down on one and up on four. So just imagine going down, two, three, up, five, six. Down, two, three, up, five, six. So that's just another way of saying it's a triple division of the beat. Each beat is divided into three. Remember, one, two, three, four, five, six. So there are two beats in that bar. Each of them is divided into three. 
That's why it's called compound duple. The duple part means there are two beats. The compound part actually means each of those beats is divided into three. Now, when you're dividing something into three, like one, two, three, you could also do quicker notes like this, one and two and three end. So for instance, it could sound something like this. So if I sing that in slow motion, one and two and three and one and two and three and. So again, I'm counting to three because each of the beats in the bar or the measure is divided into three. But what if I played something like this? One and two and. In other words, I divide it into two. That would mean that in a meter that's normally defined by divisions of three, remember 6a time is compound duple because each beat is divided into three. One, two, three, four, five, six. In that kind of meter, if I suddenly start dividing into two, one, two, one, two, that's a rhythmic trick. You're tricking out the listener because the listener is used to divisions of three, and all of a sudden, you start doing divisions of two. That is what hemiola is. Hemiola is a rhythmic device where a meter that's normally defined by divisions of three has all of a sudden divisions of two, and you could also do the opposite. You could have a meter that's defined by divisions of two, but you impose on it divisions of three. So it's a rhythmic trick. Let's listen to the beginning again with that in mind. Right here. Right here. Again. And again. Rhythmic devices like that bring a lot more interest to an otherwise pretty simple folk melody. Now, what does he do right after that? Let's listen. What he did there was change the first part of the melody, you can consider that the question part, and leaves the answer the way it was. In changing the first part of the melody, he kind of suspends the meter. You're not hearing that one, two, three, four, five, six. It's like taking a deep breath and then exhaling and it goes on. This is a pretty ingenious thing to do. An average composer wouldn't think of that, but Massonet is not an average composer. Now remember I was talking about the hemiola, where it's divisions of two superimposed on a meter that has divisions of three. He really milks that idea in the lead up to the conclusion of the piece. Let's listen.
if you enjoyed that, you should listen to the rest of his ballet suite from Les Cid. And also, listen to that piece I was talking about before. It's from his opera, Thais, and the name of the piece is called Meditation. I think you really love that. This particular recording was Sir Neville Mariner conducting St. Martin in the Fields Orchestra on a Capriccio CD. Hope to see you next time, because one thing about Dr. Music, it just gets better and better. <laughs>